0: Hello and welcome to the Phoenix Cast. I'm Caroline, one of the VPE interns here at the PCA, and I am your host for today. And I am also joined with Hannah. Hi,
1: Caroline and Phoenix Cast listeners.
0: Hi, Hannah. Can you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, um, my name's Hannah Ginn. I use she, her pronouns. Awesome. And
0: so just diving right in, learning a little bit more about you, um, what's your major or area of study?
1: Yeah, so I am in a Master of Social Work program. This is my second year. I'm a student at the University of Denver. Awesome. And so... Thinking about like your history at the
0: University of Denver, like what got you involved there? What drew you to that program?
1: Yeah, so I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. And when I picked Denver and the University of Denver, I knew that I wanted to stay in the west of the United States, just to be closer to home, closer to family back in Arizona. And I specifically liked DU's program because I have an interest in like policy work and macro social work. And so DU has a really good macro social work concentration.
0: Awesome. And so just comparing Arizona to Colorado, is there one that you like better? Do you think you'd go back to Arizona after you finish up your degree?
1: Probably not immediately. Like I have really enjoyed my experience in Colorado and... I think I really want to continue to like live other places and see what else is out there. But probably one day I'll go back to Arizona. Like I said, most of my family is still there. And so I really like the idea of taking what I've learned in Denver or in my career back to my home community and trying to improve services there and becoming more involved in where I grew up.
0: Awesome. And so focusing here on the PCA, just to start, how did you find out about the PCA? How did you get involved?
1: Yeah, so I started working at the Phoenix Center in my first year of graduate school. So this was my my foundation year internship. I was working as a an advocacy intern. Um and I in undergrad I minored in women's and gender studies and that was kind of my main area of interest. Was I wanted to work with um survivors. I was really interested in like gender and sexuality and so I really liked the Phoenix Center because it closely aligned with the work that I wanted to do and my personal values. So last year, I was doing advocacy, and then I was asked to stay on part-time as a graduate assistant. So one day, a week, one day a week, I do advocacy with survivors, and then two days a week, I am a violence prevention educator with Caroline, with Rachel, and the rest of the VPE team. Awesome. And
0: so when balancing your role between being an advocate and between being a VPE, um, what are kind of the differences or similarities that you found? Like, what does being an advocate
1: mean versus being an educator? hmm. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. And I think I really enjoyed doing them simultaneously because, you know, I think one is always informing the other. So, you know, when I'm giving a presentation or when I'm talking with people at events or tablings, a lot of the times I can say these, this is the things that I'm actually seeing every day in my role as an advocate. Here's the language that I use. Here's the real life experiences that I'm seeing and then vice versa. As an educator, you know, you're learning to talk about these issues and you're talking about violence on a really personal level. And I feel like using that language and using those experiences also helps me as an advocate. So although like you're doing different things, you know, advocacy is like a very unique environment where you're working one on one with people. I think there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, I, I that's probably what I would say about that. Yes. Fantastic. So when
0: also looking at your different roles, what does your day-to-day kind of in the office look like?
1: Yeah, so right now I would say it's kind of every day looks a little different. Rachel and I are currently going over all of our existing Phoenix Center curriculum. So our existing workshops um, and educational materials to try to not necessarily improve them, but maybe like make them up to date, make them more closely aligned with like Rachel's style of education or like my perspectives on these topics. And then also just like kind of helping out the other VPEs as things come up. So going to tablings, going to events, helping with putting together like our materials and then advocacy can look completely different, but still within the same vein of every day looks different. And you kind of never know what you're walking into, even if you think you know what your day is going to look like. But that generally looks like Working with clients, having scheduled appointments, sometimes clients drop in. Mm -hmm.
0: And so you mentioned that you all were like revamping and kind of going through and changing a little bit of the curriculum. So when you're doing that, what are the things kind of you're looking for? Like, do you have an example of something that you've been able to change and update a little bit? And what does that look like?
1: Yeah, Rachel and I just completed our kind of curriculum overview of our bystander intervention presentation. So the one that we had that was current or the one that the Phoenix Center had before was good. But I think with bystander intervention specifically, we've had a a lot more of like a critical look at what bystander intervention should look like or can look like and how your different identities impact your ability to intervene, for example. And so kind of taking more of the critical lens of taking a critical lens into bystander intervention and going a little deeper with it.
0: Mm, awesome. You mentioned in both your roles, they can kind of look pretty different in your day to day. And there's a lot that is pretty much like, would you say, like unexpected? Yeah. Overall. So how do you go about managing that? Like what different tips or tricks and tools do you use to help you navigate all the differences in the variability?
1: Sure, I think kind of like letting go of your expectation of what violence prevention work or survivor advocacy works looks like. So, like I said, a lot of times you'll come into the office thinking that you know exactly what your day is going to look like, and then it looks complete just completely different from what you thought it was going to be. So, really being flexible and remaining calm in crisis or remaining calm when things don't necessarily go the way that you expect things to go. Um, And then, of course, a lot of just like checking in with myself, checking in like how I'm doing. So even as someone who remains relatively calm in crisis situations or who is pretty good at being flexible and just going with the flow, still checking in with myself and being like, you know, can I see a crisis drop in client right now? And is that something that I feel up to? And luckily we've got a pretty good support system here at the Phoenix Center and good supervisor and good teams who will let me say no to things when I need mm-hmm. to.
0: Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm.
1: And so I just want to mention
0: also that this, yeah, this episode is long overdue because Hannah has been working cool. here for a while and she's been here as a BPE for a while. And is it true you're graduating? <laughs> I, I,
1: I will be graduating in June, June. actually. Oh, yes, yeah. Sorry. DU has
0: a interesting schedule. Mm-hmm. But um so I guess with the remaining time that you have here, what are some of the things that you're still looking forward to, you still hope to do, kind of make your mark type situation?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think because I am graduating, it puts a, a different lens on the work. So a lot of figuring out, like, do I like advocacy or do I like prevention? What... Do I want to do upon graduation? Because this is my first year doing prevention, I'm still really looking forward to learning all of what that entails. So what is, you know, what does that day to day look like? What does Rachel do every day? What kinds of workshops are we facilitating? How can we be creative in the ways that we're delivering this material, this education? That's probably what is most present on my mind right now. Like, what can I still learn in these roles, even if I've been doing them for a while? And which of them or what kinds of things do I want to do after graduation, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And looking back on your time, like throughout, and you've mentioned like what you're able to take away. How are some of the things, how have you grown and how have you developed during your time here at the PCA?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm a much better or a much different person <laughs> <laughs> than I was, you know, even two years ago before I started at the Phoenix Center and before I started graduate school, I think I have grown much more confident in myself and my abilities as a social worker, as a survivor advocate, as an educator. And I think a lot of that has to do with the people that I've worked with. I feel, you know, on one hand, like much more knowledgeable talking about violence, much more comfortable supporting people. But also, I think I've just had the opportunity to grow and develop myself because people here have really shown that they invest in me and care about me and have been able to support me in that professional development, but also like personally. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, what a good answer. (laughs) And so kind of moving away from the PCA and the professional work life, what's some of the best advice you've ever been given?
1: That's a really difficult question. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it's probably kind of within the same vein of what I've learned at the Phoenix Center. I think a lot of the times I have been told here to not be so hard on myself all of the time, because that's something that I've like really struggled with, just living up to expectations or, you know, like this idea of a, what a perfect social worker, what a perfect survivor advocate needs to be. And so a lot of the times that can really translate to really feeling like I failed a client or that an appointment didn't go as perfectly as I would hope it would. But very rarely do they go perfectly because we're doing crisis intervention, violence prevention work. And so I think that's probably the best advice that both people here and people in my personal life have given me to just, you know, the this perfect expectation doesn't exist. So not being so hard on yourself, trying your best.
0: Mhm. And actually that's an interesting segue into another question I'd wanted to ask. Um I essentially was going to ask like if you could go back and change one decision in your life what would it be or would you even go back and change that decision?
1: Mm. As much as I would love to say that I would never change anything, I'd probably change a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe less of a decision but if I were to go back to like my younger self, I would probably like either pick up a hobby or like stick to a hobby, you know, like playing a sport or learning an instrument or learning to draw or paint or something. Mm. That's something that I've like always regretted is never really like sticking to something, and I feel like getting into a hobby is never as easy as it is when you're a kid and you yeah. just pick up on things and try everything. Mm-hmm. Dang,
0: well, this is great segues into all my questions. Mm-hmm. I think you're like, very welcome, reader. But I was gonna ask you, yeah, like what type of hobbies? What do you like to do? What are you up to?
1: Um, I'm a big reader. I mm-hmm. love to read in my free time, so I'm usually reading something. I also I like to embroider. So that's kind of like Mm -hmm. my hands activity. And then everyone at the Phoenix Center knows I'm a really big sports fan. Mm. Specifically, I watch baseball and hockey and most recently Formula One. But yeah, that's kind of my thing. If you let me talk about it, I could talk about it for a very long time. I'm really interested in interpersonal violence prevention work within sports. So that would kind of be like a, a dream career.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's fantastic. You also mentioned that because everyone listeners out there, we do want Hannah to do a podcast episode surrounding interpersonal violence and sports. So potentially, hopefully look out for that soon. Also, I also do like to read. That's awesome. I'm always looking for book recommendations. Do you have any book that you love that you always like to recommend to
1: others? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think my favorite book of all time is probably The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor mm-hmm. Jenkins Reid. Mm-hmm. And then I also like a mystery thriller. And my favorite one of that is probably In My Dreams I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. Oh, interesting. What do you like about each of
0: them? Can you give us like a quick synopsis?
1: They're both like, honestly, so they both have like elements of interpersonal violence. And so that's probably... Something that draws me to it as someone who is, like, deeply involved in this work and really cares about it. But they're also, like, big cast of characters, really long but all-encompassing stories. They both have, like, queer representation. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. I see she's well-versed in literature. <laughs> and also, this is another question. I feel like it can reveal a lot about a person. Do you believe in second chances? Mm.
1: I think the circumstances really depend, like what I might forgive someone for is different than what other people would. But in general I would like to think so. I think pretty fundamental to my worldview and my approach to things is that everyone has the capacity to change. Um, which I think is also pretty important for like violence prevention work. You know, we wouldn't do this work if we didn't think that we could educate people and hopefully change their minds on some of the topics that we work around, so, yeah, I would like to think that I do for most things
0: mm-hmm. for most things mm-hmm. that's, okay. that's very open minded. that's a nice view to have mm-hmm. when you're thinking about someone who um truly like touches your heart or makes you truly happy, what aspect about
1: that person really warms you up inside? um, I guess someone that shows. That they care about me in the ways that they know I like to receive, like love and care. So someone that really takes the time to get to know me and recognizes like this is something that Hannah loves This is something that not the Hannah does not love and Mm -hmm. kind of adapts their style of affection or their style of love to how I also receive love. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, awesome. And so along that same vein, how do you, what are your love languages? How
1: do you like to receive or give love? I think I like, oh, that's very difficult. Not a physical touch person, not a words of affirmation person. (laughs) I do like a good gift. I think, um, you know, not necessarily like something monetary, but. Just something that shows like, hey, I was this reminded me of you or I was thinking of you or I went out of my way to do this to get this thing that I know you like again. Um, so that's probably how I receive love the best. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like how I show love, probably quality time, because I do value like my own personal alone time. So when it's someone that I want to demonstrate that I care about them I can do that by saying, like, hey, I'm willing to give up some of that, like, personal introvert time that I have. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. And so these next questions, thank you for your deep insights. These next questions are not as deep, kind of silly, but I feel like like I always like to say with all the other intros we've done, I feel like it tells you a lot about a person. So listeners, please tune in. This is very important. Um, (laughs) But just to start. So we have numbers. I don't know if anyone else is a child like assigned personalities to numbers or like colors or would like be put them in like scenarios. Maybe that's just something I did, <laughs> but please assign personalities through numbers.
1: Okay. I feel like two is kind of mean. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go on. I don't, I don't know that I have a reason for it. Hmm. I just think it, it, I wouldn't get along with two. Oh, interesting. I do think I would go along with three.
0: Okay. I think
1: three is very friendly.
0: Okay. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, keep going. <laughs> this is intriguing. Um,
1: maybe I just I think even numbers are mean and odd numbers are kind.
0: That's very I feel like that's the pattern that I was following. Huh. Interesting indeed. And you don't know exactly where this came from or why that is. No. What What is your answer? um well i mean i feel like one you know very spunky out there doing a lot of stuff i felt that too was just a cool person i thought oh. that two was a sweetheart because just so rounded not what she said to me oh interesting okay i see there's personal beef here interesting well i could like go on forever so we're just gonna skip my thoughts and opinions okay. but if you want to learn more about it me up I will ask
1: you as okay. soon as this gets turned off. Okay, perfect. Okay.
0: So good to know. So everyone out there, odd numbers are nice, mean num even numbers are mean. Yes. And so moving on to the next question, looking at this room, we're in Hannah's office, by the way, at the moment. Um look it's a pretty good sized room, would mm-hmm. you say? Mm-hmm. How many pennies do you think could fit in this room?
1: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um social workers. Famously can't do math, so I would say a good five million. Okay, that's what drew you to that number. It, it feels like it needs to be a lot, but a okay. million felt <laughs> too small.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Intriguing. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll never know though. But nice process. And then our last question: If animals could talk, which animal do you think would be the nicest? Which animal do you think would be the rudest?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like rudest. I'd probably say like monkeys and apes. Oh, interesting. Go Just because on. I feel like they're so intelligent that they probably have a lot of resentment around being like caged in in zoos. Mm. And I would say I'm a little frightened of them for that reason. Oh, like that's I think they're fair. they're too intelligent that I kind of don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> Um, I feel like the obvious, like, kind answer is dogs, so I don't really want to say that. Mm -hmm. Yes, please be unique. Probably cows. Oh, cows, okay. Cows just seem very lovely.
0: They do they mm-hmm. do you seem chilled out. Wow, okay, thank you for those great answers.. You're and thank you for joining me today. Is there anything else you would like to add anything you would like the people to know?
1: No, i I guess I would just say that I really loved being a part of the violence prevention team. So thank you, Caroline, for inviting me on to your little podcast. I really loved working with you. and I think you're a great both violence prevention person, but also a person in general, and you're a wonderful podcast host.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you, everyone. Hannah is fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. Um, be sure to share this podcast with whoever. Follow us on our Instagram and also look out for some of the different events that we have coming up here, especially in April for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Thank you all so much for listening and have a great day.